It's episode 59 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Julia Mittelman. Julia. Hello, Julia. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Stuart? I'm very well. I'm very well. And this is one of the more exciting uh, rooftop locations that I've recorded in. Um, I yes. feel I feel that this uh, this is going to be the thing now that I will refuse to uh, record anywhere unless it's on the rooftop. Mm. In uh, are we in trendy Shoreditch? We are in trendy Shoreditch. Is Shoreditch still trendy? It is, I believe so. I hope so. I work here. <laughs> This building that we're sitting on actually has the famous Banksy on the side wall. So we are in the hippest of the hippest part of London. Nice. I just resisted the temptation to lean over the wall to have a look there because I feel that would be... (laughs) Dangerous. That would be dangerous. Don't do it. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it, kids. Art, but, you know, safely. Um, Uh, so you are uh, you're involved in a group called Troopless. Troopless, yes. Are you in charge of Troopless? Um, not quite. We have a democracy, um, really? which has worked for us. I've heard that this is not common in improv groups, but um, we all met at a workshop led by Faye Bran about on short form storytelling, and we were all at the pub afterward, all sitting at the same table. I remember this clearly, and we all were looking at each other, and at, around the same time just said oh you know we're all troopless and then there was that moment of like from a movie everybody looking up looking at each other like oh my god that's the name and now we're a troop (laughs) um so that's one of the entry requirements to be in troopless is that you have to at the time that you entered not be in any other troops right actually that's a really good idea and i kind of i have these sort of rules that i i think are slightly too uh extreme normally to share but i would love that i would love it if you were only allowed to be in one group. One group at a time. Yeah. That would be interesting, yeah. You'd commit, for sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. And also, it would mean that if you were... you, I'm going to come across as a not very nice person here, but it's like, <laughs> as much as I love the same old faces, sometimes it'd be nice to see different faces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So that you'd switch? No, totally switch from group to group. That's fair. I think the, <laughs> I think the struggle there is... Uh, you, there's lots of different formats and types and so I think if you wanted different goals out of things it could be fun to be in more than one I'm in we are most of us are now no all of us are now in more than one group actually so um, we've broken our own rule if we got kicked out we wouldn't be allowed back in <laughs> it's good that there are rules in your street there are so many rules we're very strict um, improv is about rules we all know this yes exactly how else did we know who's doing the best if we don't have rules to follow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's that's what I learned. That's what Martin Luther King said. <laughs> the founder of improv. Yes. <laughs> so um, with with Troopus, uh, what was the initial, what was the format when you started? How did you get organised? Yeah, so because we took a short form workshop, we thought, okay, let's just do short form. And there aren't that many short form groups out relative to long form as well. So we thought, oh, cool, we'll be adding to the variety a bit. Um, and we invented our own format, uh, which is called Pixar Theory. Wow. And basically, we all went to Bills, which is our like team headquarters branded. <laughs> Not yet sponsored by Bills, but who knows. <laughs> um, and uh, we all went and talked about what we wanted to create. Um, and one common theme that arose was just having that audience delight. We really wanted 
to be open to non-improvisers. So from the perspective of being highly technical, I, I can appreciate groups that are highly technical, love watching them, but we ourselves did not want to necessarily be a group that was known for that. We would rather be known for making the audience laugh and, and lean in, lean forward, as we say, in their seats. Um, and so we thought, okay, well, what makes us delighted? Uh, one common theme that came up was callbacks and this feeling of there's a reason to everything and you discover that later. So justification, basically, we enjoyed. So we created this format where, do you know what Pixar theory is? No, I don't. Um, it's this common fan theory that all Pixar movies are located in the same universe. Oh, right. And yeah, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't really cross over, but the idea is that they could have existed within the same world. Um, and so we thought we're going to take that as inspiration and so we do a bunch of unrelated short form scenes for about 15 minutes and then we play a game of Storyteller Die where we try to unify every scene that you've seen so far that has been unconnected and we intentionally don't repeat characters, we try to change all the locations and then we see through a narrative story how how one character from what you've seen goes around and experiences the lives and worlds of all the others. Wow. That sounds really fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's really challenging. I know. <laughs> I was being challenged just thinking about it then, and not actually doing it. That was my we've, challenge first. But that sounds yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we've we've enjoyed the challenge. Um, sometimes it works better than others. Um, we just had a show on Saturday at the nursery theater, which I think was the best version of this game that we've played yet. Um, because we just remembered the most things. That's <laughs> part of the part of the struggle is just remembering your own callbacks. Um, but uh, yeah, so we we think we got a chuckle every time we'd reference something that had already happened. So yeah. we hope that it created that effect of feeling like the whole night was tied in together at the end. Yeah, I mean, how do you? How do you remember stuff? That's something I struggle with when yeah. I'm on stage. I'm like, oh, even when I'm improvising a song, sometimes I'm struggling because I can't actually remember what the beginning of the song was like. Or if I want to go back to the verse, I'm like, oh, I can't actually remember what that was. Yeah. Is it just practice? Totally. I think so, yeah. We, I, I personally try to stay in the mindset then, kind of have it in the back of my mind when we're playing of like, Oh, okay, check a checklist of what characters we'd encountered or something memorable about each point. So while I'm playing, I'll kind of have that buzzing in the background. So you're very much like Sherlock in his mind palace. Yes, oh my God, the mind palace. I wish I was as good as Sherlock with the mind palace. <laughs> I feel that he would be a terrible improviser. Perhaps, that's an interesting <laughs> question. I would love to see a show where somebody plays Sherlock. Like, you know, there's the Napoleon I love no have you seen Charlie Martins, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, Oh my god, yes. that's one of my favorites. And um, yeah, I'd be curious to see the same show but with Sherlock instead of Napoleon. Well I mean the spontaneous Sherlock, um, which um, but I don't and I've seen um, what I would want to see is the Benedict Cumberbatch incarnation of Sherlock. Yes. <laughs> what I would want is the real the really sort of very specific kind of like we're not just doing Sherlock Holmes, we're doing this particular version of Sherlock Holmes yeah. and improvising in that style. That's what I'd want to see. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. I think we have a we have so many shows here, left and right. <laughs> nursery door we talked about earlier. <laughs> nursery door. That's a brilliant yeah no nursery door. Do you want to explain the nursery door? Oh yes uh, we well oh I for... guess that was a podcast rather than a <laughs> show but we could yeah. make it into we could, we could make it into a show, but just, you know, you sit at the door and you have the podcast running and the whole night you just see the characters that you encounter, in which case, in this case, are real people, but 
you know, with some... Well, they're improvisers, so who knows what could happen. Anything could happen. <laughs> well, yeah, but the thing is, it's got a really strong start when everyone's arriving. And then there's a big gap <laughs> of about three hours in the middle where nothing very we much happens. We don't say anything. <laughs> it's just silence. That's what it feels like to sit at the nursery door, I have to say. And then at the end, you have a bit where everyone's leaving and saying goodbye to everyone. Yeah. So it's a three-act structure, essentially. <laughs> there you go. But just with a really, Proper. really boring... Middle. We can all read together in that time. So when you're listening to the podcast and it's just silent for the middle, you do what the person at the nursery door is doing, which most people read. That'd be nice. Yeah. What do you read when you're on the? Oh, good the question. <laughs> Usually I read Time Out magazine, which I'd stolen from that day or a few days earlier, because I almost always did it on Tuesdays, um, or BuzzFeed. Or wait, I should say proper things. I read the classics, obviously. <laughs> Shakespeare. Working through Trollope Jane in order Austin. from the beginning, you know. Exactly. I read the Bible three times. Um, <laughs> three times, which, which translation? <laughs> All different ones. Oh, it's good. It's good to compare. <laughs> the last one was an emoji version, which was an interesting experience. <laughs> Dude, that's another thing you can make. Full of ideas today. Yeah, the emoji, uh, the emoji improv uh, show... Oh, I think that needs some work. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I like it. So with troopers, um, and so where did the idea of? Because uh, I love the idea of um, taking disparate elements and then weaving them into the same fictional universe, and I have often done that nice. with lots of other things. Mm. Um, where did that impulse come from? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. We wrote down. Our, it was very. It was very like bureaucratic. We wrote down our goals, and then we brainstormed ways we could reach our goals. <laughs> Brilliant! And oh, I love that. I think that's amazing. I have it somewhere, not with me, but we. I still have all the notes. We had a second format, which was totally different, but achieved the same goals of getting the audience feeling involved and part of something bigger. I guess that's really where it came from. We thought, well, weaving everything together and giving it a sense of purpose may help with that. The other idea, which was in a format we have not yet tried out, called Etch-a-Sketch, which is we wanted to give maximum control to the audience. We decided we weren't ready for this. Um, but basically, we would play games where the audience was fully in charge of everything. So if we played New Choice, the audience would be shouting it out. But further than that, the audience would be responsible for all ends of scenes, all sweeps and edits. Wow. And we would invite the audience to come up on stage, whoever wants to, at any point and they could play they could introduce a game they could do whatever they wanted so that they felt partly responsible for the show as well and so if it was bad it wasn't entirely our fault <laughs> um, but also if it was good they could share in the joy yeah um, we decided we weren't ready for we wouldn't know what to do <laughs> in many of those cases um, but you know still pending maybe one day no it's a great idea to get the audience involved although I don't know if you're um, how much the audience would, um, I don't know, how much do the audience, how much the audience want to get involved? I mean, it's fine yeah, to call things fair. out from the audience, from mm. the um, audience. Yes. Um, that's the word I'm thinking of. But whether you'd actually want to get up on stage and, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would, but they're like, not yeah, an audience definitely. member. Definitely. Not a normal audience member anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, partly we were curious to see what would happen. Like, if nobody shouted out or did anything, we would just stand there on the stage. <laughs> just see how long it took for anything we wanted to be like puppets where 
the audience could just be string masters and have fun playing with kind of the they would be the directors I guess effectively but right. but now I can see why that may not have fully worked um, <laughs> but you know to it's, be determined it's good yeah it's good to have those ideas and to kind of um, you know record those ideas not necessarily on a podcast but that's a very good place to do it um, <laughs> so you don't lose them because it's you know you do have all these ideas and you are throwing them out and it's easy to think oh I'll remember that idea and then you know it just yeah. goes so uh, and I, I really like the idea that you actually set out what you were trying to achieve with the group mm. and then actually although we sort of laughed about it it is really nice if you are all aiming towards the same thing yeah yeah we found I think maybe that's why it's worked with no we don't have a director we rotate through coaches um, because we just like having different perspectives and also folks usually can't commit for too long um, so we had Andrew Gentili coach us for a while um, and we just had our first session with John Agapew oh, uh, yesterday so that was awesome he's brilliant and Andrew's brilliant as well but we found the goals help unify us and then we take turns directing when we don't have a coach there and it's just kind of it's worked so far cool and you rehearsing weekly yes every week yeah cool. and we do shows maybe once or twice a month or so. Um, I need to get more on that, actually. <laughs> Been lucky so far um, with just openings and places, but we'll, we'll get more proper about it in the fall, I think. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. that sounds pretty good. Although Mike, uh, one of our uh, troopies, Mike Bowker, is a brilliant social media manager He's so on it all the time. He just he also loves photoshopping things. So he's just constantly making posters. Like every show has a custom poster <laughs> with the date and time and everything. And he creates a cover photo version of it. And he changes on Facebook and everywhere else all the things. And he schedules the posts as well. So it's great. It's just... I mean, it is. It's really useful if you've got someone in the uh, team who is really keen on that side of things and for whom yeah. they just do it because it comes naturally to them yes are there other roles in the group of people that have fallen into that sort of admin side mm. of things yeah we have one one guy joel who does all of our rehearsal bookings i do most of our show bookings um and i think we just rotate out kind of otherwise yeah so it's worked out well it's a very democratic you know sometimes it could work <laughs> system i say this but watch i'm jinxing something <laughs> no I'm, I'm i'm in favor of democracy i mean it has its its flaws but i think it's the best system we've got uh, <laughs> for life or for improv <laughs> i was thinking about a life but also improv. i think i think with many improv groups they would like to think they're democratic but then they need somebody to actually take charge and drive mm. it yeah yeah i could see that as if no one's responsible, it's hard to hard to figure out, you know, what who does what and things. So. I think I think we'd all like to run groups like that, but I, you know, I'd be interested to know how many truly are democratic. Well, you know, if if we go down in a major blaze, I'm happy to come back and tell you all about it. <laughs> we were wrong. Uh, well, let's we'll hope see. that let's Hopefully. hope that doesn't Knock happen. On wood. So, you mentioned that your uh, everyone in the group is also members of another group and mm. you are part of Story Kitchen. I am, yes. What's that like? Oh, I love Story Kitchen. So it's a huge group. We have, I think, 23, 25 members, somewhere around there. And uh, folks of all different experience levels, so that's awesome. And we play mainly two formats, so theater sports and maestro. Um, started off with theater sports and, and we started maestro this year, which are both 
competitive improv, kind of. They're, we say it's not a competition, it's a show about a competition. Right, okay. But does that stop people getting competitive? I mean, I, I think it's all friendly. It's very mischievous competition. So, for example, you know, if you end up jumping into a scene so if you're playing theater sports it's team versus team and so if the other team is going but you see an opportunity to help out to to create something to scene paint to change something you know we definitely love and encourage that type of behavior and I think genuinely everyone feels very rewarded for it and part of it so even if you don't get those points there are points because it's it is a competition yeah um if you don't get those points, it doesn't matter because you still feel like part of it. And yeah. um, for uh, for theater sports, we play for the wooden spatula, the silver whisk, and the golden ladle. Wow! Um, so the stakes are high. Yeah. And yeah. in Maestro, we play for a five-pound note, which is hidden behind a frame, so no one can take it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the stakes are even higher. Um, so with theater sports, is it a series of challenges? Yes. So how, how can you give me an example of a challenge? Yeah, might... definitely. So there's, there's three rounds and the challenges, who issues the challenges differs by round. Um, usually round one is judges challenge and then two and three are teams challenge each other. So they could be anything from something simple like I challenge you to the best scene about a secret to uh, I challenge you to the best scene that's lit and sounded by the techies. Uh, or it could be more complicated, I challenge you to the best scene dubbed by the other team. We love that. Or involving an audience member. Um, I've heard, we we haven't used this one, I have it in my back pocket. <laughs> but um, I challenge you to the best scene in the time that it takes an audience member to eat a donut. And you give them the donut. And you have them stand on the corner of the stage and eat the donut. And you have to keep playing until they're done with the donut. So I'm excited for that one. Um, we had, we, we like to have fun. We've had ones where we've played a game where there's three bowls of water and only one person could ever have their head out of the bowl of water at a time. <laughs> so you have the scene where the improvisers are just standing in front of the bowls of water, like face first in it, and they're listening, so their ears are not in the water, but mouths otherwise, yeah, and so they have to hold their breath and take turns and really share. It teaches you, you have to really share the spotlight because you have to be mindful of other people holding their breath and, um, uh, so that was fun. Um, we had another one with, with pies as well, like whipped cream pies. That, uh, it was, so we have a tiebreaker called the hat game where uh, two players wear hats, but they can't talk about the hats, but they have to try to get the hat off the other person. And uh, they play out otherwise in normal scenes. So we did this hat game, but with whipped cream pies instead. And that, <laughs> turned out marvelously, as you can imagine. We actually accidentally like covered the first row of the audience in whipped cream. Um, so that was unfortunate, but <laughs> but you know you never know what you get with theater sports. No, <laughs> it's always an adventure. Um, so, uh, would you say that that group was run as a democracy? Um, no, I would say, well, but that, that I think is necessary, actually. So we have a director, Faye, who's brilliant. Um, and I think when you have that many people, it's quite difficult to run it as a democracy. Um, Having spoken to Faye, I'm very well aware that it's not democracy. Yeah. Um, but it's great, though, because she, uh, she enables, I think, everything that we 
that we're able to get happen. I mean, it's hard. I think it's quite hard to chase down people, and yes, and yes. you know, there's rehearsals and then shows, and and she has to cast all of the shows as well. So because it's a rotating basis, not everybody necessarily gets to play every show, and it depends if you're available. Um, so I think she's done a great job of that, and we've tried to as well. Uh, particularly recently, we've started embracing new roles. So for example. Um, myself and Jess, who is also in Troopless um, and in Story Kitchen, we are the new Mater D's of Story Kitchen, right. aka the social chairs. Um, <laughs> so what does that involve? Uh, so we're just planning like dinners and and uh, karaoke nights and other <laughs> kinds of things, so that there's team bonding, optional of course. But um, and then there's folks who deal with uh, press releases and other, or not press releases. Um, like getting the word out about shows to the press is what I mean, um, and other people who handle bookings and things like that. So it, it is, it is the work I think is is shared, but it's really good I think to have that single point of direction leader because uh, otherwise I think it would be chaos. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so when you're uh, performing in Story Kitchen or uh, as part of Troopers, mm. what? could somebody else do if they were going to be in a scene with you that would delight you? Ooh, that's a great question. Oh man. I love I love unexpected things like rehearsal. So for example, yesterday we we had rehearsal and this is troopless or troopless. troopless. Yeah, yeah. And we had the suggestion for a relationship of dentist and patient and Jess and Mike came out and Jess is standing over Mike, he's clearly in a dentist chair, mouth open. And Jess puts on this like child voice and goes, Oh, Daddy, I'm so excited that you let me play with your own teeth with the real tools and things like that. So I, that, like, I loved that. I loved uh, because when they walked onto the stage, I thought it was just going to be a typical dentist and patient scene, but she reversed it so that each, the dentist was in the chair being operated on. So it's things like that, the unexpected twist, whether it's from the beginning or just somewhere along in the scene. Um, I, I love those kinds of things, and I'm always looking for opportunities to do that as well. Yeah. Josh, actually, Josh Bland Burrell called me a stabby improviser. Um, as in, I'm <laughs> going to find the one thing that other people wa want, their character wants, not the improviser, and I'm just going to like poke it and stab it until, until to heighten, yeah. until we're basically like not giving in until we reach the, the conclusive height of the scene. So he calls it a stabby, stabby improviser. Yeah, can you just expand on that? Just explain. Uh, yeah, so it, so it, it's a type of game, I think, effectively. Although I'm not an expert yet, I'm still halfway through my monkey toast level one course. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, it's a type of game where you discover what another character wants, and you withhold that, and you play with. So, for example, yesterday we had a great one of this as well, where there was this clown who loved sugar. And so I brought in some kale, told him we'd run out of sugar, I'm sorry. And then the next person came in and he was an environmentally friendly clown. So the guy said, oh, you know, I'm sorry, the circus bear is now extinct. Uh, so all kinds of things. So you're basically, you figure out what, the, in this case, the clown just wants to be environmentally friendly and is obsessed with sugar. And you do everything in your power to not get that so that you get an emotional reaction out of it until you've reached sort of the ridiculous maximum. And then there are different ways I find as well of dealing with that. You can either just heighten until you've reached the absolute maximum height you can and that's the scene, 
Or sometimes people can surprise you and you can find an interesting twist or exception or like a clever uh, pivot into yeah. the scene as well. I like playing objects, that's fun. You like playing objects? Yeah. What sort of objects do you like you to know, play? Just like not, yeah, non-human thing. One of my favorite scenes I think I've ever seen. Well, I'm biased, but it was a story kitchen scene. I wasn't in it, so I feel less biased. <laughs> um, and uh, the prompt I think was dishwasher and all of the players there were four players and they took different poses where they were playing different dishes in the dishwasher <laughs> which was hilarious because they were also all like slightly shaking side to side so you could see that the dishwasher was on and they were gossiping about the family who owns them and one of them was like a fancy dish plate I was trying to figure out why they had been out of the cupboard after not being in the cupboard for so long and you discovered basically that the father was having an affair um, <laughs> through their <laughs> conversation so it was just a lovely sort of flip on that's what I mean by the unexpected yeah. when you say dishwasher I would expect to see a scene with people loading a dishwasher yeah, yeah, somehow yeah. related to that instead of the dishes in the dishwasher so that that kind of stuff is lovely yeah yeah, yeah. that's lovely yes definitely um, and you're also involved in the organization of the nursery and yeah a little bit slapdash yes what are you doing the slapdash so I am officially oh this is a good uh, good spreading of the word <laughs> I am I am I'm looking for commercial partnerships for the nursery for slapdash specifically right. but also in general for the nursery so basically I've been talking to lots of Airbnb owners and hotels and alcohol distributors and things like that to see if we can get donations or, or partnership sponsorships. Have you been um, speaking to popcorn distributors? Because I feel popcorn. that's a, that's a great idea. Get more popcorn. Ooh, okay, that's going on my list. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, but we want to make the, the experience as fantastic as possible for the performers, for the audience members, and as cheap as possible. And obviously the nursery is a non-profit, so anything anything works for that but yes yeah, so basically I'm just uh, trying to help out with with getting all the cool stuff t-shirts as well we're trying to get printed and and I mean the more swag the better right so and what was the thinking did uh, Jules look around the room and go Who's the most respectable person here? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> it's going to be Julia. Let's get her talking to big business to get the swag for Slapdash. Is that how it oh, works? Oh, no, I wish. Man. No, this all actually came out of a joke that I made. Um, we were at our first Slapdash meeting, which didn't ha we didn't have any roles or anything yet. We were just meeting, meeting up. And I had said, oh, you know, I'm so excited. We should try to get lots of free stuff because... You know, Who it's a non-profit. Who doesn't love yeah. free stuff? It's a charity, like it's or it's a non-profit rather. And um, you know, there's probably a lot of opportunity. When I was a student at uni, uh, I was able to um, work with a lot of the local businesses to get stuff when we needed. For um, I used to be, fun fact, I used to uh, run this talent management agency. Wow. Um, so for some of our like. Oh, well, for students. So yeah. for some of our launch parties and things like that, I was able to get um, cool stuff locally. Uh, and so I, I, I had said, you know, we should really look, like, look into who's around, who might be looking for exposure and things like that, because this is a great community and a great way to spread the word about things. Um, 
So that's when Jules turned to me and was like, all right, you're going to be responsible for partnerships. <laughs> and, you know, Jules's word is law, so that's what happened. <laughs> Brilliant. So you were, how did you get involved in the world of, was it talent? Talent were, management. Talent management. How yeah. Was when I was in high school, I really wanted to go into business, but I was obsessed with theater. Right. And <laughs> That old to the old yeah. the classic. So I was like, I could put those two together, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I started this uh, agency on campus for student artists and basically we would connect student artists with the folks who could provide services that would help them go from amateur to professional. So things like web design, headshots, um, uh, mastering albums. We were lucky enough to have a few recording studios on campus. So there were a lot of resources available, they were just very separate from each other. So we were kind of the hub, we became the hub of managing talent um, on campus and had a few a few artists who made it into iTunes and yeah so it was a it was a fun agency. You mentioned the love of theatre is that yes. where your love of improv how did you get started? Yes totally so I do it's funny I was just having this conversation with someone um, there's was different it being schools. recorded for a podcast? No it wasn't being recorded for it a podcast. Count. <laughs> Only counts there's if it's di- being recorded. <laughs> there's different schools of improv different you know styles different beliefs there's comedic and theatrical i think is one big divide or not divide but as in you can do different styles it's, um it's a um it's a thing spectrum thank you yes <laughs> Stuart, for the for those of you listening at home it was miming a spectrum um that was beautiful it, <laughs> it was you. very clear it's good it object was. work um and yeah it's a spectrum i think and so uh for me personally I was trying to figure out, you know, what what do I like? What do I what do I want to try and achieve as a next stage? And I think for me it boils down to the reason I started improv, which is the same reason I love theater, which is I love working with a group of people to create something that no one person could create. So it's really it's purely about that feeling of teamwork. Yes. That to me is like euphoric kind of when you're on stage or you know it could be in a rehearsal but when you're with a group of people and you're so in sync with them and you just make things that no one person could have even thought of that to me is the magical magical bit of improv and yes it's funny and that's amazing and it can be very beautiful and artistic but I think the teamwork really is is why I got into it yeah, and, and that, it's the same for me. It's the shared universe that you create yeah. with the people you're on stage with. Um, and that world that, you know, is more than you could create individually. That's that's why I love about it as well. So. Love it. You are right. That is correct, that bit. Oh, there's a bee. That's that's one of the, uh, when you're uh, one of the recording on glamorous rooftop, locations. Uh, rooftop rooftop locations. Uh, He's gone now. Sorry. That's all right. He likes the lavender that's nearby. You guys should see the colors up here. They are very. Just well. picture a really colorful roof. <laughs> Is that descriptive enough? I think that. I think that. scene in, painting needs work. In the rest of it, <laughs> I mean, your object work's going really well, but it's, just, it's hard to uh, see that in an audio format. Um, yes. Uh, so you. So yeah. So how did you? Uh, how did you? What was your first class? Where was? Oh, this is a good story, actually. Um, <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> so, um, my first class was with Steve Rowe. Right. It was a beginner, or sorry, it was one of the taster days oh, right, for Hoopla, yes. and I 
took it with one of my co-workers actually because I was too scared to go by myself and, and so I convinced him to go with me um, and and we went and it was amazing and I loved it and afterwards I sent Steve an email it was it was about a month after I had moved to London which was February 2016 um, and so I emailed Steve afterward and said hey you know I really enjoyed that I would love to love to learn more I just got here so don't really know many people and he, he replied with the sweetest message that was this really long, like, okay, here's the breakdown of everything you need to know about improv. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was just like, here are the different communities. Here's Hoopla and the Miller. And here are all the classes and how they work and like how you get into a troupe and all the stuff. And, and it was amazing. And um, I went to a show at the Miller soon after, I think a few weeks later. Um, and I was standing in the queue behind um, Andrew Marks, if you know him, and we started talking. He also, he, well, he, he's half British, half American, kind of. He's British, but he grew up in America, so he can do both accents. So he started talking to me in, in he slid into American accent when he was talking to me. And then a few of the other folks from Story Kitchen came over, and because we both had American accents and were talking to each other, they assumed we knew each other for, from, like, childhood. So obviously all Americans know each other. <laughs> and um, and so they like they like encircled me into their group basically and and for the rest of the night they all sat around me they like signed me up for the jam which ironically my first scene ever was with John Agapew <laughs> I didn't know him at the time and I have a photo of that scene which I showed him like six months later <laughs> I was like hey John did you know that we've met before <laughs> um, and I, I specialize in creeping people out. Um, That's good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, to, to be clear, for the record, I am sane and normal. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Madeline Hunter. I call her Madeline. Other people call her Maddie. Oh, yes, Maddie. Um, there's a lot of creeping. <laughs> oh boy you're not the only person that's creepy people out ah, so I'm that's just saying, funny just check that out I love it <laughs> yeah shouldn't really advertise the podcast on the podcast but anyway check nice. that out if you're a fan of you're a fan of the creeping ladies of the London Improv <laughs> scene oh dear don't miss out on that oh, one oh no what reputation have I created <laughs> <laughs> regret the things you say um, what, can you remember what yeah, can you remember the scene you did with John I was playing his daughter and it was Father's Day um, did he kill any puppies he didn't know. Is oh, that nice. is that a thing? Well, <laughs> blacked him out on one occasion when that was happening. I'm oh like, my god! No, I don't want to see this. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's surprising. <laughs> um, he's committed. I love I love John's no, he, play. He's he great. He's great. Go wherever is needed. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I don't want to go there. And if I'm doing the tech, we ain't going there. Then you're in charge. That's true. <laughs> but um, that night, the performance at the Miller. Um, it, there was a scene, a final scene at the end with Steve and a few other folks, James Witt and Liz Peters um, and Faye Bran, a whole bunch of, it was a, it was a theater sports, oh this must have been a different night because, anyway, different theater sports night. And they did a final scene and Steve had asked uh, who in the audience had been in London for less than a year. So I raised my hand. I think it was the only person, actually. So he, he called on me and said, you know, what's your name? Tell me about yourself. And he said, what, where are you from? And he said, what was the first thing that you noticed about British people? And I said, well, they're very polite. And so they proceeded to do this incredible musical medley number 
That was like my hypothetical journey from America to London. And particularly, I remember the taxi drivers in New York were super rude. And then I get to the border crossing and the British border control officer in the scene is like, oh, you know, do you have your passport? And Liz was playing me and said, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I must have forgotten it. And the, the officer was like, oh, it's fine. I'm sure you're fine. Go on ahead. And then as as she goes through the scene, everything is just happening. Also, there was a lot of tea involved. I remember everyone kept offering her tea. Um, and it was just this absolutely beautiful moment I think it was the first, genuinely, the first moment that I felt like I had found a new home. Yeah. Um, because obviously it was all very satirical and, and hilarious and, and fantastical, but it was, it was so, to me still, it was like, oh, you know, yeah. this is beautiful. Like, there are people here who understand me. <laughs> um, and so for that, for that reason, I feel like Steve really helped, helped me feel at home in London. Yes. So... I love Hoopla. And he's said to me before, I've talked to him about this, he said actually that one of the goals of Hoopla is to create that community, yeah. particularly for folks who are, are new to London. Um, he loves he loves taking people in, you know, yeah. everybody's dad. Steve is everybody's dad. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to meeting him uh, in a little while and uh, yes. calling him dad. And see if he, oh no! See if, he, see if he comments on that, or whether he just lets that go. I've now put that on the podcast. I'm not gonna have to make that the game of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Call him dad. Call him dad. <laughs> I don't know. That would be. I'd love to see his reaction to that. <laughs> Although now I can only see him as motivational lobster, which is my favorite bit that he's ever done. Which is he dresses in a full head-to-toe lobster outfit, runs onto the stage, and does like a Tony Robbins style. You know, who are you? What are you doing? This is amazing. You can do anything if you set your mind to it. You see, well, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan and I'm a big Steve Rowe fan. I'm slightly agnostic about seafood, but I'm prepared. <laughs> prepared to give it a shot. Two out of three, that ain't bad. So uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Yes. Yes. Well, my, he at one point he stuck out his lobster claw. He goes, everybody get up. Everybody gets up. Take out your claw. You're holding a jar. Open the jar and eat from it. Everybody does it. He's like, do you know what you just ate? And a few people shout out, jam. He goes, no, ambition. <laughs> so look out for motivational lobster. Excellent. And the weird thing is that even though that is, you know, it's satirical and it's silly. And just hearing you telling him do not I do feel a bit inspired yeah <laughs> totally Every, I feel like everybody left the theatre at a high like, I can do anything you're right and the fact that it's done with a bit of a sense of humour and a bit of edge probably helps people bypass their sort of cynical sceptical sides so exactly maybe that's exactly the right <laughs> you, I feel like you can't help it if a lobster tells you you can do anything Obviously, you can do anything. It's a lobster, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the crustacean I trust the most <laughs> when it comes to assessing my if future. If it was an oyster, we'd oh, yeah. have other questions. But... I mean, it's ironic because the world being your oyster, you would, oh. have, thought, you would have thought... Very <laughs> good. Sarcastic clapping. <laughs> no, uh, I enjoy puns, <laughs> That's my pun allocation for the year. Um, Right, okay, so uh, big 
Uh, big, big, exciting final question. Ooh. Um, I'm building it up more than it is. Okay, what is, what is the uh, classic go-to Julian Mittelman move? What, Ooh. when you've done it, and everyone goes, hey, classic Mittelman. Like an improv or yeah. in life? Oh, uh, no, in life. I meant an improv. In now I want to know in life. Oh boy. <laughs> what do I set myself up for? Yeah, in life. In life. What's classic Julian? It's probably reverting to Brooklyn. Like, just going back to forget about it. Or uh, yesterday, I was going to the shop and just speak like a Brooklynite. Um, I mean, you do have the uh, added advantage there that it is authentic yeah. and re realistic so <laughs> it's not like you've got a fake American accent that you just fall back on yeah it's just a real one yeah oh but an improv that's a good question I don't think I even know what it is I uh, my fallback character is probably a child like a four-year-old child yeah um, I find that the easiest character to play, and I don't even want to think about why. Like, I don't want to psychoanalyze why I find children easiest to play. Um, Is it because you're relinquishing control of the scene to your scene partner? Ooh, that's a good question. Maybe. Yeah. I find children, it's really easy to make game out of kids because you just make them not understand or misinterpret things. And you don't need to justify why. The justification is there. They're a child. Yes. Um, but and then you can play with like what they've misunderstood or how they've misunderstood it. Yeah. Because in real life, I find that hilarious as well when kids just like I'm trying to think of a good example now and I'm completely blanking. But when when they like have understood something the wrong way, but not in the way that you'd think was the wrong way. Um, and that brings us back to your love of the surprise and reversal. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I wonder if I do have an, a, like just a move that's a classic middleman move. Um. See, the thing is also part of this is, so it's partly so other people can take that move and then use that move. Love it. Which is a good way of learning. But also, if you rely on it too often, yeah, people are being oh, yeah. get stuck in the same patterns. Yeah. She mentioned that on the podcast. She needs a new move. Oh. So I'm trying to help you develop oh, as thank an improviser. You. That's so considerate of you. <laughs> no, I genuinely appreciate it. I don't know. Um, give me a second. I'm going to think about it. Um, I'm just going to admire the... Uh, please, London. admire the bees, London, the birds and bees. Uh, <laughs> um, there are birds and bees, and that, that wasn't a euphemism. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird rooftop <laughs> where you've got views of London and uh, there's a lot of plants up here. Yeah, so. <laughs> there's not that much greenery. It's, um, not, it's not that discreet. Mm. We could just finish. Nah. No. <laughs> Although I quite like the, the bit at the end where, <laughs> where where people are going, oh, should I should I carry on listening? Uh, there might be a gem at the end. I'm feeling existential pit right now, mm. Stuart. That's what you've put me into because I'm like, what? I don't have a move. I should have a move. I mean, putting people into existentialist pits is very much what I do on this podcast, and <laughs> that's my signature move. If there I can maneuver someone into an existentialist pit, I'm there. That's the, the Moses move. It's the Moses move. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I don't know if I have a. Don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something now. Like I'm not. I'm like three quarters of an improviser instead of a whole. What have you done, Stuart? 
Well, I mean, I hope I haven't gone around sowing seeds of doubt <laughs> in improvisers no. whose work oh, I genuinely admire. I have it. Yeah. Hello. Bonus gem. Um, you might like this one. My my move is in my head. I always just say, "What would Stu? What would Steve do? Ah. What would Steve Rowe do? Yeah. And it often is something really silly and crazy. Sometimes it's something grounded, sometimes it's variety, but that's what I've always had running in my head. What would Steve Rowe do? Steve Rowe do? Nice. Yes, the granddaddy of improv. <laughs> oh wait, that's Keith John's job. Kind of. Depends on what school you're in. Let's not get into that again. <laughs> now that I've rambled sufficiently at the end of this podcast. That's brilliant. What would Steve Rowe do? Steve Rowe would wrap up the podcast say, <laughs> Julie Rutherford, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> bye that bye. was awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. I made this. That's improv. <laughs>